0: Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D H A R M A Media.com. Welcome back to Conversations and Z, man. It has been a hell of a two weeks. I was out there in L.A. for a couple of weeks uh, working on my recording project, hanging out with you, spending time at the studio. I feel like it's been the most productive two weeks of my life. And as we've been talking about, it leads into our topic of your place under the sun. So I think about these two weeks, how everything has just come together, how it flowed, how I met this incredible array of people from producers to vocal coaches uh, to... Vocalists themselves, Caitlin got involved uh, helping film some of the work that we were doing and it was a really busy week But it just meshed so well and it felt so liberating and I came back and The people I've talked to you about the work that I've been doing take a look at me and they say wow You're just so happy. You seem so excited They don't even really know what I'm doing, but they can see the expression on my face the passion, the enthusiasm. Maybe they sense that I'm standing up straighter, that I'm more expressive than normal. And that ability to express myself, to be myself, to take everything inside and bring it out and connect with people in a way that shares my view of the world and perhaps shifts convention, shifts the way that other people think, helps move our species forward in some better direction. It's just been this awesome experience, and I feel so grateful to to have this journey. So as we were talking, we brought up the topic of your place under the sun and how it's so hard for many of us to find this kind of a flow. And it's hard because at times we limit ourselves. We don't fully express ourselves. We kind of think, who am I to do that? Who am I to try something new? At other times, the people around us don't give us that freedom, or they try and hold us back. And it's things like, why would you want to take that risk? What are you going to get out of this? What about the downside? You have such a stable position. Why would you mess that up? What about your obligations to the family? And people who love us also stand in our way at times, or convention stands in our way. And all of that limits this natural expression, this free flow of idea and emotion. And as we've talked about, that flow is crucial to good health, to our vitality. That's what it means to live successfully on this planet. So how can we get to a state where we are in that flow, where we are expressing ourselves, where we find and really embrace our place under the sun? Z, maybe to kick off, you've known me for a while. You know my family, you know my mom, my sisters, and you've seen... Me develop over the years. Share some of your observations on what went on over the past couple of weeks.
1: Well, Vin, um, it's a beautiful thing to observe nature, the expressions of nature in its infinite ways, to see life happen. <clears throat> I'm thinking about you and 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 I look at nature there's a one of my tenants um his daughter-in-law is pregnant and when they first moved in some months back they had just found out she was pregnant little bitty girl um five two five three maybe eighty ninety pounds real petite very young they're in their early twenties the couple and she was walking around, they were just glowing, two kids in love, and she said, Well, my girlfriend's gonna have a baby. Upon now, she's pregnant. So you just look at it, you gotta be joking. There's nothing there. The girl maybe weighs 90 pounds on a wet day or something. Then the other day, I walked in, and her belly is huge, and they were going to the 3D ultrasound place, and they came back with a 3D picture of the baby who looked just like. The grandfather, beautiful man, kind guy that works out with me now. And you get to witness the miracle of life, just the miracle of life. We grew a sustainable garden outside, and I just picked last night four real large cucumbers. It's the magic of creation and what the sun brings you every day. And I watch you and I saw 10 years in five minutes. You were like a volcano ready to erupt with nowhere to vent its fury, its heat. Couldn't even see it, you just knew something was going on just like that baby gestating in the womb. And then slowly the signs of viability started to show. The anger became questions. Questions led you to behaviors and actions that put you on this journey. Your voice started to come out. There was no more, I don't know what it was, shame, stifle, whatever in your voice, in your writing then you start to accelerate, right? The belly got bigger and bigger, the baby started kicking. You could see what the baby looks like now. You could see it's viable and it's just ready to find birth. And then all those 10 years led up to this kind of weekend you had out here and I went and met you somewhere and you were in a recording studio with different people who were like, yeah, I wanna know this guy. I wanna be a part of what he's doing. Then you go hang out. You go hang out somebody else that says, "Wow, he's onto something." Then you left, and they would whisper to me, "Man, this dude's amazing. Where'd you find him at? Where has he been?" And these are people that had no connection to you uh, in any way. Had interacted with me under, under completely different circumstances, and they all—some of them didn't know each other. And they all said the same thing: "He's onto something." This is a powerful movement, this guy is in heaven. He's a a phenomenal artist. Where did he come from? I say he's always been there. The DNA of this dude has always been there. And it is in my view that once you join the parts of your heart together, made yourself whole, you begin to live and breathe. The Vedas describe a bad time in humanity that we're going through, where there are many people who are alive, but they don't exist. They don't really live. They exist, but they have no life in them. They're empty of life, empty of heart. Their heart is cold and even dead, but they walk, they breathe, they move around, but they're not living. You're alive now, man. You just, and all you did was join your heart. It awakened, and like a new baby, you begin to express yourself. Often we talk about why the people that are in our lives are fearful. Um, And there's not a real answer to that. It's just that we're afraid because we're afraid. We're afraid of change. We're afraid of growth. We're afraid of new things. We're afraid of risk of any kind we're afraid of being afraid and it's only when you find the heart synthesized you have courage and you'll find people around you that support you when you're courageous and they don't have the answer. I was talking to my wife you know about she's working out and she's feeling good about different projects she's on and she's finding herself and I said how nice it is that you're with somebody that's okay with that. I'm totally okay with her being healthy and well, and exploring herself, and finding herself, because I feel that then I have a whole person. I don't have a half a person. I don't have a quarter of a person. I have a whole person around me. And wherever that journey takes you is wherever it takes you. And if we have reverence and respect and love for life, we accept that, that this is gonna be a hell of a ride, a grand adventure, a noble journey, and it may, it'll it take people in places you could never imagine. But it requires a certain amount of fearlessness. It's okay. It's okay that you grow. It's okay that you've been awakened. It's okay. I don't know where it's going to go, but I know you're alive. They just had an article in a paper about a woman they took to a funeral home. And... uh They were repairing her body, and they found out she was alive and well. What an opportunity to live your life knowing that you had been dead, that you had been suppressed, crushed down. And it was very comfortable with everybody accepting that. It's not that they loved you less or more. It's just that fear can rob us of everything that looks like life. For fear will make us comfortable with the being the living dead. And you weren't comfortable with that. There's nothing in you that was ever comfortable with that. But you didn't know what the discomfort was. You knew you were sleeping on a bed of nails, but you had never seen a bed without nails. And once you saw that bed without nails and you could get a comfortable night's sleep, you could never go back to the bed of nails. You could never go back to Buffering your humanity. Taking the anesthesia every day. And you didn't do anything that was way out other than opened your heart to yourself. You see it. Your body has changed. Your muscles have grown. You're upright. You interact with people not based on fear, but based on your abilities. Your skill set. You can interact with anybody. You don't have to adjust to anyone. And they don't adjust to you. But they embrace you, revere you, respect you, and want to be around you because you're complete, not because you're incomplete. Because you're whole, not because you're halved. So it's a beautiful thing. So I think you're more qualified than anyone to talk about what that journey has been to being true to your heart, true to your soul, complete in yourself. As the Vedas ask us to be one who is self-possessed, one who is self-realized. It's interesting how we talk about that with such richness, self-realization. But we are very afraid of it. So you're very qualified to share with us what that's all about for you, Vin. Run it.
0: Yeah, I will share my story and I've been thinking just in my mind about what it's been like over the past 10 years and whether there was a seminal moment and maybe there have been a few on this path. I think it started for me with a rejection and it was a rejection of what I had become and... This was before, I won't say it's before I met you. I'd met you before. Excuse me. (coughs) I met you before. As I've said before, I think the first time I met you, I didn't like you that much. And maybe it's because you criticized me and I wasn't prepared for that. And I went back to do whatever it was that I was doing to live my life. And I got to a point I think it's been seven, maybe eight years, where I felt like I needed to do better. And it was for a few reasons. I'd started a business that business had not worked out the way I'd wanted. And even that was fine, but so much of my self-worth was tied up in that success or failure. And I was a slave to things that I couldn't control. And I came out of that very bruised. I didn't like the way that I felt about myself. And I looked at the situation and I said, I'm the same guy. I've been in jobs in the past where people have loved me, where they talked about how qualified I am. Now I've gone through this hard time where I haven't been able to make this business work, but I'm the same dude. So why am I attaching so much importance to what's going on around me, to these external conditions. I need a more solid sense of self. And that coincided roughly with the time that my first daughter was born. And I get emotional every time I I talk about this. So I'm gonna break down a little bit. When she was born, I couldn't even speak. I just bawled. I cried like a baby. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. And she was this vibrant, dynamic, curious, precious creature who came into our lives. And I loved her so completely. And identified with her so strongly that all of my insecurities about myself, all of my self-limiting thoughts, all of my pain and the agony that I carried around, I started to project onto her. Any self-limiting belief I had about myself, there was a voice in my head which would apply that same standard to my daughter and just say, she's not good enough. She's worthless. What, whatever it was, completely irrational, based on nothing except the loop that that played in my mind, and that was the point where I said, "Fuck this!" I said, "Fuck this!" I am not. Going to pass this on. I'm not going to be a hypocrite and tell her how great she is and how much potential she has when I don't feel the same way about myself. And I knew I was talented. I've always known it. I'm intelligent. I've been blessed in so many ways with health, with cognitive ability with creativity, with passion, and at times I've tapped into it, but my life up to that point had been one of, what is the right word, the word that I'm looking for, I hadn't lived up to my potential, it was an underachieving life relative to what I knew I could do. And I didn't fully understand why I felt the way that I did, but I knew I had to change. And at that point, I said, let me just figure out how to live better. I didn't know exactly what would come up. I literally started doing research. Google searches on things like science of life. Science of living better. I read a ton. I read a lot of Eastern philosophy. I read books on neuroplasticity, I read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and there were some common principles that emerged, and this kept me going. And I think when I really was looking for a comprehensive science, I kept on coming back to Eastern philosophy as a discipline that could refine the mind and the self bring out the spirit, bring the dead back to life. There were times leading up to that point where on the surface life seemed incredible. I had marriage, I had a good job, wealth status, but man, I was just fucking dying and I almost didn't want to be alive. I thought if I'm going to spend the next 50, 60, 70 years like this, I'd rather be dead. It just seemed like such an oppressive hell. So, when I started taking those steps, a few things happened. I got into yoga, meditation, actually, first meditation, then worked my way backward into yoga. I don't know exactly when things started to turn, but I, I will say, if I think back, that process of calming the mind did introduce more more joy, it, just coming from that state of tranquility. The meditation at times unleashed a certain amount of fire, which I thought was very interesting because I'd always thought of meditation as something either bland or tranquil or anesthetic. And it was like I was getting more fired up the more I was getting into it, and whatever was inside started to come out. And that provided enough fuel to keep on moving forward. So I was committed to the meditation practice. I tried to be more understanding to subdue the ego a bit. This helped me in relationships. It helped me understand points of view better. I was able to get along with people more easily. And I think I came to you maybe, maybe four or five months after I started that practice because I needed help on the yoga side. So the meditation I could do, the yoga, I wanted to make sure I was doing this properly. And I sat down with you. You do what you normally do. You talk to me about my state of mind. You either told me in that meeting, maybe it was later, maybe you wanted to make sure that I would pay for the lesson first before you offended me and I, I left. But you told me at some point that I just looked suppressed, like I was holding something inside that I looked like the type who would killed a lot of people. And it's interesting, other people have made the same comment. Maybe not as directly about me being a mass murderer, but just about being suppressed about there being something below the surface that I need to bring out. And I don't remember exactly when it happened. We started working on the yoga, continued the meditation. That progressed. At some point, we started talking about life and passion and expression. And I think you asked me what I care about. And my job is totally fine. I enjoy my job. I wouldn't say... um I proselytize about it. I I don't sit back and think this is the most amazing thing that I could be doing, but I like it. But you were asking me what really resonates, what strikes a chord, what stirs something in the depths of my soul. I thought about writing because I've been writing for 20 years. I'd always been good at expressing myself through writing. I'd always been good at composing lyrics. And when I thought about that, I realized I'm much more of a direct communicator when I write. When I write, nothing is held back. When I speak, and maybe I'm better at it now, at the time, it was always somewhat half-assed, somewhat apologetic, somewhat trying to read the audience and make sure that I didn't say anything that would offend or would be taken the wrong way. And as a result, So much of what I wanted to say and who I wanted to be was choked down. But in writing, it just flowed, and it flowed continuously. So I think I sent you a few things, and you really grabbed onto that. I think you saw the potential. You encouraged me to do more of that. I started writing about life, about spiritual topics. I put a small distribution list together. I would send out pieces about the beauty and tragedy of life, about how we tend, I think I wrote a piece called Punctuation, about how we live our life as a series of punctuation marks where we skip entire sentences and focus on the periods and exclamation points and the mundane we just throw away. So I framed things in interesting ways and the people I sent this to were shocked pleasantly. They said, we had no idea you could do this. And that was very satisfying. That allowed me to express myself. It also gave me some internal coherence, some better understanding of what I was thinking, what I was feeling. Usually if there was a topic or a challenge that I was facing, I could write it out and help develop my own perspective through that, share it with people, and also provide some value to everyone who read it. So I think that was a very useful process. I was writing poetry at the same time. I think a lot of Fire came out of the initial poetry. And I continued the process. And it's hard to point to a certain event after that because so many things have changed simultaneously. My diet changed. The way that I interact with people has changed. The people I spend time with, I'm much more careful about who I spend time with. I think a lot has changed through our discussions, this podcast, sitting down with you, And talking through these issues about life brings me so much clarity. And perhaps it's things that I intuitively know, but it's either things that have been papered over or sometimes things that I don't have the right narrative for or I lack conviction in. And just being able to discuss this helps develop my own voice and conviction in what I believe. It's like picking up a book and shaking off the dust and suddenly you can see the truth clearly. So our discussions have been incredibly useful for me. Uh, this podcast hopefully our audience enjoys it. It's also a gift as I develop my own thinking as I evolve. And so I continued all of that, changed my diet, my workout regimen. And at some point it just started expressing myself a lot more freely and You've introduced me to some interesting people. I've heard in the past that at the right time, things just happen. And and that's what this last year has felt like, that things have materialized for me. And perhaps it was that right time. I met Don Lacey, your old friend from Oakland. We hit it off. I happened to share a poem with him. He thought that was very good. I felt like, why not share more of what I'm doing? And it so happened that I'd written spoken word pieces right around that time. I shared a couple with him, with you. He's been a huge fan, a huge source of confidence and inspiration. He keeps on telling me how incredible the work is. What a great writer I am, how powerful the ideas are. He took a a risk. He's a performer. He was opening in New York. Or sorry, he was performing in New York. And he asked me to open for him, and I thought, wow, this is incredible. I barely know this guy. I've known him for a few months. There is some kinship. There's mutual respect. So the relationship was blossoming, but he still barely knows me. He hasn't seen me do anything. And I wrote a piece for him, which was one of the most powerful things that I've written. I wrote it with him in mind and opened for him at this show. And before I did that, I knew I had to practice. I got up in open mics and started delivering the pieces at open mics. I think you pushed me a little bit to keep on evolving the presentation. Don't just read it, own it, internalize it, deliver it as part of yourself and not something external. And that's where a lot of the emotion has come through. And after that show, it was successful. It was a great experience and I thought, I'm sitting on 20 plus pieces that I've written. I know it's powerful. I know it resonates. I want to share. I don't want this stuff to rot on a hard drive. I want these ideas out there. I want the world to know who I am, not, not for me, not because I need people to stand up and cheer, but because that's who I am. I am a conduit of something, of ideas, of of words, and my ability to express certain truths in compelling ways with flow, with rhyme, with rhythm, is unique. So I called up Don. I said, "Find me a producer." He found me another old friend of yours, also from Oakland. We got together. Uh, We started talking back in May. It worked out a deal. I came to L.A. I was actually supposed to be in L.A. in, in July. And at that point, I would have just gone into the studio, recited this, and called it a day. It turned out I couldn't go in July. I had to postpone until August. That turned out to be a huge gift because in the meantime, I could really internalize the message I was delivering. I could practice. We got a vocalist who brings out a tremendous amount of emotion behind the different pieces and everything clicked man we got out there we had a little bit of drama at the beginning of the week there was some misunderstanding about who was doing what we smoothed that over and by the end of the week it was a love fest it was just incredible we were in the midst of putting these recordings together Everyone had bought into the collective vision. We felt like we were doing something disruptive, something that's the right message at the right time, delivered in this incredibly compelling fashion. And of course, we'll see where it goes, still early days. But this is probably the thing in my life that I've done that I've got the most confidence about, the least worry about. I can't guarantee it'll succeed, but in my heart, I feel like it's gonna succeed. It's gonna it's gonna rock the world. Shake up people's minds, wake them out of their slumber. I don't have any doubt about that. In the past I've hedged everything that I've said. I don't have any doubt that this is going to succeed. And when I say succeed, I mean touch a good portion of the world and change. Our narratives about life and I am so grateful to be in this position it just feels it feels liberating I mean I'm standing talking and I can't believe it if I think about it more I'll probably stand here with tears streaming down my face and not tears of sadness, pain, and maybe it's all those things mixed together, but just awe, Z, Just incredible awe for life, for the possibilities that it offers, for the way that the world has come together, for me to be a piece of this movement that perhaps I've catalyzed or you've catalyzed and will grow well beyond us. And that's where I am, man. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and I feel like the path forward is unknown, but, but I'm excited. I, I've never been this, this excited, this passionate. So, so be careful, Z. Be careful what you create. I don't know if I turn into some, some beast walking around, just a hotbed of emotion with some crazy smile on my face with tears streaming down my cheeks if i freak out people in my neighborhood i don't know but but this is how i want to be and then
1: i i um, like i said i have a lot of different feelings and i'll share as we do the work we do and i stay on mission Um, and the mission is to mitigate human suffering and it always starts in the smallest thing To keep the heart beating, whatever it takes to save the baby. So I think about you and I think about Mount St. Helens. Many years ago, there was a a mountain, a dormant volcano up in Washington. And people had built their homes on it and they built all this, and there was always this little bit of smoke vapor that would come out of the ground around Mount St. Helens. And people had forgot that it was even a volcano. And one day it rumbled. And dispassionate people, geologists, said, you should get off of that mountain. Underneath there is a pressure and a fire that could awaken a beast. And a lot of people denied it to the very end. And then that mountain exploded and the volcano came alive and even as it came alive people that were used to it said I'm not going to move and they were they were consumed by the volcano by the forces of nature, by the forces of life I always saw in you a great force but I also saw that people very like most of us on earth were comfortable building on top of that thing and denying its existence. And all I did was pointed out. And you were offended when I said it. Because people were offended when they said Mount St. Helen's going to erupt. And I ain't moving because I like the way it is. I liked my stable life. And I said, but you can still like your life. Just honor the volcano and get the hell off this mountain. Go to a lower ground. Go to a safer place. My point is with everybody is that you have light. Everybody has their own light, their own candle, their own glow. Nurture it, large and small. It's not about how many people you affect or the big change you'll make in the world. Just live. Just live. You don't have to be famous, nor do you have to be infamous. Just be and see how that affects the world. Just be you. Be true to you. Find you. You made it to this world for a reason. We're only here for a hot minute. We all have gifts and talents abilities shortcomings longcomings but in order for it to fully be expressed and to run its cycle we 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 need to let it shine whatever that is we're all good at something and sometimes that something is how you affect other people There are great, great athletes and behind every great athlete is a coach you don't know, a trainer you'll never hear about that saw the light in them and helped them realize. For every great writer there was the inspirational person they met on the way that triggered a series of events in their psyche that allowed them to write a great novel, a great book, tell a great story. There are so many little photons that make a shining light. And each one has its relative importance in that moment. And I hope that each person, as we live our life, they really live. Again, fame and notoriety is a side effect of something. It is not the goal. It is not the end of the journey. It's simply a product of the journey. If you look at the infrastructure of American highways and most highways around the world, there are so many businesses that grow as a collateral effect of the daily movement of the highway. In India, you have the dabas and the roadside cafes in America. You have the different malls and truck stops that grow along, and then the towns, that grow because it supports the people that work at the service stops, that service, the commerce. They all have their importance, their role. I think it's all beautiful because we're alive. That's all, we're alive. And every now and then there's one star or there's one moment, there's one person, there's one voice that speaks for many people and it does it just because it does it and if we assign to it for a moment fame and notoriety then so be it but as long as you were true to yourself as long as you lived and when you go back home and you're quiet and everybody's gone and you're sitting there with those little beautiful daughters that admire you and love you and will remember you after you're gone and they will look for A man just like you. They'll fall in love with a man just like you. And if you wonder about your daughters and their choices in men, be the best man you can be. Be the best guy you can be. When I think about my friends, my family, my mom, my dad who not was never able to grow old. My wonderful teachers that I got to see this morning on a Zoom meeting. I think about my great-nephew, Jante who just walked in, and his dad, who was a little boy who looked up to me and tried to do his best in life and always wondered if he was okay with me. He's beautiful. I look at the people we work with trying to build this project, what is success? Success is that. That's it right now. Right now, Vin, you're very successful. Right now, I am very successful because we did our best today. And we can assess what we did by looking at the people around us, growing, evolving as people not static, not devolving, not wrought with fear. In this moment, it's a beautiful life. Life is a moment. And you did well by the people that love you, the people that adore you, the people that care for you, just by being true good to yourself. That is, to me, success. That's success. You told me how about your wife came around, she started to understand you, ever-evolving, ever-growing. That's beautiful, then. And I would say for all of us, as the time cooks us and the days and weeks and months just fly by, and we look over our shoulders at life as it passes over and say, do we live? Do we breathe? Did we do something? And you can say, yeah, I did. I did. And I get to say the same thing. I saw it in you when I met you. I see it in a lot of people. I saw it in Caitlin when she showed up with her loaf of bread and wanted to learn. I saw it in you and your... There's just a fire in your eyes, and nowhere to take it, nowhere to go. The brilliant mind you had—I said, "Wow, I, I could see myself in this kid." In a roll of the dice, in a change of fate, I could be him. But all the protection was stripped from me, and the protection was more like a restraint for you. So I just encouraged it but I also honored where you were and your family. I met your beautiful family. They love you so much. I met your mom and how much she reveres my work. I see traces of you. I see you in her. You know, I'm an uncomfortable person for people to be around for a lot of reasons. Your mom never flinched with me. She's put me in my place on a number of occasions. She's always been like a sister to me. But she's always addressed me in a way that she honors the work. I don't know what her views are on me or anything else, but she, she likes the work. And whatever fear she had, she was brave enough to just stand there with it. And she passed that on to you. And I I have such a fondness for you. Just like being with my own son and all the people that we've met and shared along the way. It was very important to be true to your heart. But first, find out that truth. Find the truth of your heart. For most of us, it's been repressed, beat down, choked, stifled, beat into conformity. And it never does you any good that way. Because it doesn't harm anybody to be true to yourself. It doesn't harm anyone to shine your light, even if it's just a candlelight. Be true to that. Nurture that and see what you have to offer the world. Maybe that little bitty light is just enough in the darkness, in the fog, to guide a person to a good place, a healthy place, a well place. To have a little more time to enjoy this moment called life. And you've done it. you shined your light and you start doing your work and sharing your views that have lifted many people. Maybe that's what it is. We're all just doing our thing, and in doing that, letting that light shine, it renews us. It renews us all. It's like a solar battery. The sun gives us this infinite wealth of energy, and we can manage it, deliver it, conserve it, share with it. So let's do that. I love what you're doing. I don't know where we're going with this, but this podcast is about. uh, This podcast is really about sharing the truth of your heart, the layers of your heart, opening your heart. And you've done that. And you've gotten a lot out of it, and it's helped other people. You've inspired people. I think about your friendship with Smacy. I call Donald Lacey Smacy for reasons we'll probably talk about one day. But he's one of my personal heroes because he forgave the man that murdered his daughter. And I don't know how you do that. But he did it. And he told me A wonderful story. You know how much you love your girls. He loved his baby girl just like you loved your girls. You know how they sound when they come home when you come home and you hang out with them, how they look up at you, how they wait for you, just like my little ones who are now grown up and my new little ones. They can't. You, you walk through the door and they can't wait to be with you. They can't, you can't even put your keys down. They can't wait to share their day with you. And be with you. He had a daughter just like yours, just like your three girls. And when she was a teenager, her friend murdered her. And that little boy went to jail and grew up in prison. And your friend and my friend forgave them. He forgave that man. Truly forgave him. That elevated him in my sphere of consciousness on a very high level. Because I don't know how to do that. Don't mind me. I'm I eating yeah, everything else. Is, yeah. Caitlin is mad and trying to do the recording, but I'm, I'm emotional right now. So you and him have developed your own relationship, and he sees in you a lot, and he shares with you things. But he's a dad just like you, and his little girl was murdered. And whenever you're with him, and you talk about your little girls, you're talking about his little girl. Those are the kind of people you're inspiring right now. Those are the kind of people whose life you're moving. Who look at you and want to hang out with you. Who want you to open their show. He's just like you, Vin. But his daughter was murdered. And your daughters are alive. And his daughters comes alive being with you. That's who you are, that's who you've always been. You're that lion, man. You've given this man his life, his daughter back. Just for a moment. That's who you are. All all you did was open your heart and be true to yourself when you've lifted up somebody's life. You've shed light. You've let the sun shine in on him. Just holding your place in the sun, you shed light on him and me. Because you gave gave yourself the right to breathe and exist. And in doing that, you opened up a lot of people. Keep doing it, man. did was just see and tell you what I saw and here we are
0: yeah it's it's an honor the way you talk about Smacy and the effect that, that I've had on him he's one of my heroes as well and I think the most incredible thing about him is if you don't know his backstory you would never know his backstory meaning when he's around you he's just such a light always joking always passionate, just always someone who radiates enough energy to make you feel good and draw you in. And just by the presence of of his being, by being who he is, he lights up those around him. And if I can pay it forward, that's something that I'm grateful for. I think with me, I'm different than Smacy. Maybe it doesn't come as naturally or maybe it's just been suppressed. I think what I've realized is that once I open up, I really open up. It's very hard for me to relate to people somewhere in between. And I think that's always why I retreated into myself because I can't go halfway. I can't say things that are somewhat true. Either I just shut my mouth or I'm going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what I feel. And I'm going to wear my emotions on my sleeve. And people respond to that. I think people are starved for that. And for some reason, that's just not very common in this world. Maybe it was at a time. I think your generation, or even if it wasn't your entire generation, the, the people you grew up with had that fire, expressed that fire. It seems to have been beaten down and almost turned into a caricature of itself. So it's you want to be passionate, but you want to do so in a way that projects a certain kind of image. And there's always analysis behind it. There's maneuvering. And then you lose the authenticity, and that's a word that we talk about sometimes. That's how you connect with others. When you're that authentic part of yourself, you're being true. People respond to that. People open up. That's how you learn about their stories, their struggles. That's how you build trust, because you're willing to share something personal and meaningful about yourself. And I think that's why it's hard sometimes to relate to people who don't do that, because if there's certain things you don't want to talk about, certain things that you hide, it becomes very difficult to have that exchange, build that trust, build that relationship. Z, I'm going to share a little more of my experience, because if I think about what working with you and going down this path has done for me physically, you mentioned that I'm standing up straighter, I'm stronger. Just my voice, my bearing is more authoritative, not in, an, in a bad way, but just more more confident, more self-evident. My fear of death is declining. I, I wouldn't say it's disappeared. But I think when you live in a way that resonates, you feel like... There's not anything you're missing out on. You're not leaving anything on the table. And at least for me, that's where a lot of fear of death came from. This idea that there was so much that was undone, so much potential that was wasted. And if you live in a more vital way, you've done what you need to do. And I think we can take more comfort in the fact that this journey is going to end, but we'll enjoy the time while we're here. You talked offline about how shutting yourself down has physical manifestations in the heart so you can actually see it in people and this is another thing that I've been working through for a while again still a work in in process but some of the tension that I've carried around in my chest for years begins to lighten I can breathe more easily more peace of mind So that's been my experience. Why don't you step back and talk about it more holistically? What is the impact on our health when we don't open ourselves up and when we lack that freedom of expression?
1: Well, the heart oftentimes referred to in Chinese medicine as shin. It has a, a substantial and insubstantial element to it. There's the heart that beats, and then there's the heart that experiences the the energy of human life, the ardor. People always talk about the heart when it comes to falling in love, putting your heart into your work, an athlete having their heart in their effort. So we have those elements, but they... They they mix. They work together. When you repress your heart energetically, let's say you stifle your passion, your affection, your sentiment. It takes a tremendous load on the physical heart to bear that restraint. On the other side, if you work out really hard and you focus on heart health, but you have no reverence, no attention, no sentiment associated with You don't get the same benefit. And again, it's the whole idea that that person really put their heart into it. You know stories of runners who go above and beyond and exceed their limits because they have a great cause behind them, or any great athlete or great Explore will go farther on an adventure with the center of the heart engaged. So they do work together. The inspirations of the heart. So when we repress that we're not our complete self and we've been conditioned to shut that off and shut that down then we never really know ourselves. We're living to the beat of another person's drum. So there's a shallowness in that person. And you see it. You see all manners of expression socially. That people just seem empty. That's what we say. There's no warmth. There's that containment. And we need that warmth. We need that other piece. that is a supplemental inspiration to the basic function of life. So nurturing your heart, knowing your heart, following your heart, again not unwisely, not ignorantly, but always having a steady harmony of intelligence and passion elevates the condition. We have health issues related to the heart, high blood pressure, hypertension, heart rate variability, sadness, worry, duress, stress of all kinds, no matter how good a physical condition you're in, if those things are visiting you, your heart will be repressed, unhealthy, congested, on the other side of that, if you're happy, content, in the moment. Even if you're not in that great of physical health, your heart tends to be in in a very good place. And you see that a lot in centenarians. You'll find that they're not doing any, any particular extraordinary things compared to other people. Other than they're often very content with life. They're often very happy. You can feel it on a regular basis. Surround yourself with friends and loving people. Having done nothing different elevates your condition. Work out like a madman, eat healthy, be at a gym, and and go home lonely every night, and see. And then we'll test and see who's in good shape. So the heart has the insubstantial and the substantial. You can see it in the pallor of skin. You can see it in what we oftentimes the emanations from or, or the glow, the enthusiasm in the day, and you can. Do an EKG. And you tend to see signs of heart rate variability and so on. You know, during the COVID, during this time, it's very difficult times for us. We don't sleep. We're the uncertainty, the concerns of finance and business. A lot of people are suffering from, from heartache that first manifest in depression and despair and then into physical malady. So very important, especially during these times, to step up and open yourself up to nurturing, embrace, love, affection, devotion, sentiment. Sometimes people complicate it. Just gestures of benevolence and open heartedness can do a lot for people. It's very medicinal. In times of trouble and crises, Be more affectionate, not less. When you run out of money or you fear that, add more love. When you are faced with the constrictions of the pandemic and all that, reach out to more people and open your heart more. If you have all the material wealth in the world and and that's not your issue but you're lonely, create healthy boundaries. Cultivate that part of you that invites love into your life without um, sanctions, without transaction. What do you have to offer separate from transaction? Then work on those things. I talked to someone who was suffering a a mental health crisis. The person is very selfish. Very selfish. I said, open your heart. And it was impossible for them to do it. Impossible. Impossible because of the, the fixed idea of how things should be. So that issue of the heart was rotting the mind, tormenting the mind when surrendering the heart for nurturing and grace grounds you, it adds the yin element to you. It's sleeping in in folded arms. It's lessons you learn from your children. You ever notice how the little ones sleep so well when they cuddle you up and crawl into you? They feel safe to surrender their heart. So too, when familiars and loved ones are at odds, sometimes just sit down and just hang out. You remember how good it felt this weekend then when we just went and hung out? We just hung out. Nothing heavy, but just a reaffirmation of the sentiments of the heart. That goes a long way. The mantras of that include niceties. Let people that you care for and that you love, let them know you love them. That little bitty medicine goes a long way with soothing the heart. It takes down the blood pressure, takes down the hypertension, ticks down the heart rate variability. Just to call, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Okay, bye. Get the hell off the phone, I love you. That's so elevating, it's so enriching, such good medicine, it tonifies the heart and the shin. People now oftentimes are very lonely because of technology and the disconnect, the lack of the visceral loop. You're online and interacting with uh, people completely disassociated from any temporal existence. But even then, the heart will yearn for the hope of, the hope of connection. Maybe I'll see you one day. Maybe we'll get together. Sometimes just that little bit of hope elevates a person's conditions. So imagine if they had a bit more than that. A genuine effort to acknowledge the affections that you hold for one another. I get into it oftentimes with my five-year-old. He's a rambunctious, tough guy that's just like me. And we go at it on a regular basis, boy. But every now and then he puts me in my place. He'll just come up to me and I say, what do you want? I just want you to hold me, Dad. I just want you to hold me. And I go, "Oh, my little lion. And my baby never lets me forget that. He'll drag me to the bedroom when it's time for to lay down and arrange me like a pillow and say, just stay here, do whatever you have to do, Pops, but stay here till I go to sleep. It's the most soothing thing in the world. Just for a second, you face eternity. These are rough times. This pandemic has um, shut businesses down, put us on high survival alert, Everyone is, the vast majority of us are suffering. But it will pass. We'll weather the storm like we've weathered all. But on the other side of that, you want to know how beat up and battered am I? There's a high divorce rate, high rate of suicide, high rate of despair and anger. All these things can tattoo us in the future. They'll linger on long past the bad times. So, we want to be careful to nurture our heart and not damage our heart. I've been doing a lot more Qigong lately, a lot more breathing. I've been making it a point to observe myself when I'm irritated. And I try to be very careful when I find irritation with those that I'm near to know too they're going through it. So, turning up the compassion that doesn't really cost you anything. But it helps you not feel that your heart is being assaulted. Thus, you guard the heart. If it feels assaulted, you close it off. The heart needs to be more open, more understanding, more fluid, more nurturing in these times. Though you do guard yourself, you do protect yourself at all times from exogenous and endogenous pathogens, Poor energy, bad energy, leeching energy, draining energy. Those are the basics. But this is a good time to work on being true to your heart. Cultivate that divine romance. Identify yourselves. Get to know who you are more than anyone else. And nurture that. Be around people that you could say what feels good to you, what nurtures you, and they can say the same to you and support you in that process. With you, Vin, as you're moving into this journey, it is a beautiful thing to watch how healthy it has made you. It is affirming, it is confirming, and in part of me is very prideful of being are able to play a small role in that. You follow me?
0: Z, I would characterize your role as monumental. You've been such a a giant in my life, in this and in so many ways. But we can quibble over that later. I think what you're saying about touch, about opening yourself, comfort in other people, is all paramount i i was thinking about my kids when you were talking about lying down with yours and how you're right they just want to feel safe i think about how even today when my wife is with her parents in the house where she grew up she sleeps better than she ever does anywhere else because she feels that connection and she feels open and she feels safe So nurturing this is so important in so many ways. Opening ourselves up gives us life, it gives us energy, it gives us connection to others, it gives us peace of mind, and whatever small role we play in the infinity of this universe, yeah, it is tiny, it is insignificant, but it's our role. So let's make the most of it. I would just end with one more observation and we talked about fear a little bit earlier on how that's an impediment that shuts us down and I can completely see that in myself when I'm afraid we just go into this survival mode, this primal state where the only concern is the self and that necessarily shuts down the rest of the world and everything that we want to express, everyone we want to connect with, we can't do that in a state of fear or at the very least, even if we are going to be afraid, because sometimes we're just afraid, accept the fear. Accept the fear and do it anyway, act anyway. Remember that time is brief. No one's gonna care in a hundred years, in a thousand years, whether we look stupid or not. So whatever we do in this life, just do, just get out and do, and, I don't know if there's much beyond that. I think action is paramount. And really, what we have to fear is stagnation more than anything else.
1: You're absolutely right about that, Vin. Again, going back to the Yoga Sutra, the first Sutra Patanjali is do it now. Now. This is it. So, yeah, love freely and openly. And if something or some circumstance arises that doesn't allow you to do out, move move out of that circumstance or situation. That's the part of guarding the heart, as we're taught in Taoism, is be in an environment, both gross and subtle environment, that allows you to be true to yourself. And if you cannot be, then, of course, guard yourself until you can be back in that situation, healthy boundaries. All right, Ben?
0: All right. Yeah, let's go out stake our place in the sun if you enjoyed the show please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes or your favorite podcasting app each five star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content learn more at dharmamedia.com peace